0: This week's parsha is Parsha Naso. second parsha of the book about Midbar. and it's isn't it incredible how uh, tomorrow night is Shabbos? Huh? Incredible, incredible! Just just on time, just on time. It's been a while since we had Shabbos. And Yom De- <laughs> I think I finished washing the dishes last night, <laughs> and the challen has to go up in a few hours. Um, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so uh, Parshas Nasso, the interestingly the longest parsha in the Torah the longest part in the Torah, and if anybody is good with numbers, I'm not a big like gematria type of guy. Um, I think gematria adds a lot to our, you know, our Torah ideas, but um, I'm just not so familiar with the whole thing. But what is interesting to note is that the longest portion in the Torah has 176 psukim, 176 verses. The longest tractate in Gemara in Shas is Baba Basra with 176 pages. And the hardest, cha- the longest chapter of Tehillim, right? Chapter one nineteen has one hundred and seventy six verses. Uh, there's got to be something to the number, um, the number one seventy six. I did a little bit of research on it, and the closest thing that I found to something that I can kind of understand is that there's twenty two letters in the Aleph base. The number eight takes us above nature. Twenty two times eight equals one seventy six, which is the totality of things. All right, it's a nice idea. I'm sure it connects. I'm just not sure how how to take a personal message from that. I I'm have. i not sure how to extrapolate how Tumblr's life is changing other than learning some more interesting ideas. Yeah? Maybe it's 1 and 7 is 8, and 6 is 14, and 1 and 4 is 5, which is maybe it's not I'm sure that's there too. <laughs> it's all connected, I'm sure. I, I you know... Uh, yeah, it's, you know, as we know, it all comes together, as we say all the time, there's perfect symmetry, but it's just, it, it's a interesting fact to put out there, that the longest Parsha, the longest Tractate, and the longest Kapital all come to the same number, and once you start dealing with numbers, it's just going to keep going, like 176 times 3 equals like 500 <laughs> something, and then that times 3, okay, it just, it keeps going, very interesting, Um all right, so by R'shem Moshe Lehm spoke to Moshe saying "Naso es rosh b'nei gershon gam heim leves So last, last week's Parsha really started with the census of Klal Yisrael And as we discussed, not only the people, but each tribe Because each tribe, we have to know we're not only part of a greater whole But we also have our unique traits, our unique tribe And we have to be counted for the tribe as well. Over here, our parsha is actually getting into the families of the tribe of Levi. The Torah is even getting more specific. Within Sheva Levi, within the tribe of Levi, there were three sons, Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. Our Parsha begins with the jobs of the Bnei Gershon. What exactly they did. Their job was the Schlepping. Last week's Parsha we had Kahas. Their job was the builders. They were the they were the ones who constructed the Mishkan and took down the Mishkan. That was their job within Levi. Everything was divided and, and given out according to each one's role. And the beginning of our parsha, as we see in the first few verses, the tribe of Gershon, they were what we'll call the schleppers. Now, a schlepper sometimes could be used in a little bit of a derogatory term, but imagine the difference between movers that know what they're doing and movers that don't know what they're doing, okay? Not only that is, is knowing what you're doing, but there, there was a particular pattern of how things had to be carried, how it had to be packaged up. As you start going through it, you know, the, the covering of the Mishkan had multiple layers. There was the ceiling that you saw from within. Then there were the, goats, the, 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 the red skins of the ram. And then these special Tachash skins. The Tachash was like this type of animal that actually was the skins that covered Adam and Chava. When you watch the movies, Adam and Eve, after they sin, are covered in leaves. They did not wear leaves. The Torah says they wore skins. The skins of what type of animal? It was a tachash animal, tachash animal. Okay, that was the skins that they wore. And this tachash animal, the Gemara tells us, once Adam and Chava made their garments, we really don't hear about it again until the desert, when suddenly they showed up in the desert for Moshe Rabbeinu, so he can use their skins as a covering of the Mishkan, and since then we don't have access to it either. And it was some sort of of very colorful, very pretty uh, type of skins, these tachash skins. And... So you had these ramskins dyed red, the tachashkins, obviously there's significance to each thing, but the, the, the tribe of Gershon wasn't allowed to just, dis, uh, um, uh, once it was disassembled, they weren't allowed to just take whatever they wanted and schlep it. The skins had to be wrapped up on their own and placed in, you know, uh, by one type of person. And then the ramskins, everything had very deep, important meaning, similar to like we started out, the number 176. There's certainly deep and important meaning, right? The, the, more, now, the more we learn, Bez Hashem, hopefully by next year, when we approach Parshas Naso, maybe even earlier, but we'll be able to talk about a, a more of a greater significance of that number because we get, you know, hopefully every day we get a little bit more learned and a little bit more involved and, and these things start to click for us in, a, uh, in a, a broader way. So our parsha really begins. It's very interesting. It looks like a moving, a moving company. Says this is the work they're going to carry first the panels and then the cover and, and they, they, you know the the curtains of the courtyard that that it gets specific which type of curtains the ones that were covering the entrance of the of the, of the and this was their service this was like their achrayas their responsibility within um, within uh, sheva Levi. Aaron and his sons were going to oversee the family of Gershon all of their burdens and all of their work and now we move on to Murari, we take a census of uh, of Mirari, and their responsibility were kind of the harsher parts of the tabernacle: the sockets, the bars, the pillars. Um, you know, and, and how to uh, you know how to carry that and how to place it back together. It, it's it's an incredible. If you just start out, it seems like oh they did this. Just look at it; it's it's mind blowing. The, the beautiful production and how each one. Uh, each family within the tribe of Levi knew exactly what they were supposed to do and their uh, and their counting. Now, interestingly, in the tribe of Levi, yeah? How did they learn early? Very good. Excellent. So, interestingly, in the tribe of Levi, their census was from the age 30 to age 50. And this is, a, I find this to be very interesting because it's not 20 to 60, okay? The age of 20 to 60 were for the males that had the general responsibilities of... Of uh, representing the Jewish people, warriors, soldiers, both in Torah and in, in physical needs, by the tribe of Levi, it was u- it's unique, and that is that they, their census, as a tribe, they actually started to count them from thirty days old. But when we're counting them for their avoda for their service, they counted from age thirty to age fifty, and the the p- part of the deeper message is it took them longer. To get to their avoda, their avoda was higher. They had, they had the avoda of Sheva Levi. You can't be a twenty-year-old, can't be a twenty-year-old, and think that you could jump right in to doing whatever the Torah is here is putting on the tribe of Levi. They needed to, they needed more time for maturity. They needed more life experience, just, just to live. They had to be at least thirty. And they stopped at age 50 because once you hit age 50, your avoda changes, your service changes, meaning look at what they were doing until 30 to 50. They were schlepping burdens. They were carrying. They were doing heavy lifting. They were constructing, and, and this was all in project management. It was a lot of project management. Once they hit age 50, 51, now they're gonna, their responsibility changes, and it's now going to become to manage that to oversee it for the new people that are coming in you can't just think that in life things always are meant to be the same and this is something that's very hard um you know i'm sure as i get older um you know it's gonna it'll hit even more every day and, and every month and every year um, I could just, the only way I can fathom it right now is on the ball field, because that's how a lot of things work, you know, in my mind, how a lot of things work, right? They they call you up to play toe run turf, to go play flag football, and you think you're a six foot two wide receiver who can uh, out jump everybody out there, right? And you got uh, you got sticky hands, right? So, and then the quarterback throws the ball and you're running and some for some reason your body's not where you thought it was going to be. <laughs> Just for some reason. It's like, I don't know what happened. I, I don't I, I, what happened, right? So the Tyrette says, right, right, because you think you're 16, but you're not 16. And you think you're 18, but your body is, your neshama might be 18, but your body's not 18 anymore. And therefore, and therefore your dreams of, of uh, thinking that you could still do all those things is foolish, which it this way Hashem wants it. Hashem wants it that when we are a few years older, we don't... We're not thinking about the same things that we were dreaming of doing when we were younger. There's a more mature approach that's needed, that's expected within our lives. And therefore, when we're 30, we're not 40. When we're 40, we're not 50. When we're 50, we're not 60, Till 120 and and... Hashem, he, there's a rhyme and a reason. Again, going back to the symmetry, the perfection. Once you reach age 51, the Torah tells a Levi, your job is not to schlep anymore. Your job has changed. Your job is to guide. You're now going to guide. You're going to be a guide. And as parents and as people, as individuals, we have to learn. You know, as 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 we get older, it's very hard. I remember, you know, my my uh, my mother, in particular, because my father was, was uh, already uh, you know longer back. My mother's uh, passing was more recent, mm-hmm. and this was a conversation we had many times. My mother and I when I had, when when I would go visit her, and that is as um, you know, as she had her cancer and her body got weaker. It's like okay, so now what's my avoda? What's my avoda now? What is it now? I'm so used to taking care of everybody. I'm so used to it. when we told my mother we're gonna get her a helper, she's like one more person for me to take care of. Like I don't want, like I don't need somebody else in my house, I, I somebody else to make lunch for. Like I'm past that. I'm you know I, I don't need to take care of another person because that's the whole approach. This it's a very natural thing, uh, a natural thing to think. So we had all these you know we had a lot of very uh, learned conversations for me. I hopefully grew a lot from those conversations. Which, which is really understanding each stage of life that Hashem puts us in. So, so now, what's my avoda? It might be very different than I'm comfortable with, very different than I thought. But it's still an important avoda. It's still, it's still, uh, you know, a, a service of Hashem. And we have to learn to transition. We have to learn to transition in each, in uh, you know, as we as we go through as we go through life. And therefore, it ends at age fifty. It was that now's your time to, to change your role, stop the schlepping, and, and now you're more of a manager, you're more of an advisor, and you're going to oversee the Ruchnias, the spirituality that, uh, that took place. Okay. okay. That, yeah? What, what, there were three things you said that was attached to what, 76. That was Karshas that had the, the 176... Um,
1: Verses and the... the
0: one nineteen kafiyotz, right. one hundred seventy six verses. Um, a Gemara, longest tractate of Gemara, longest mesecta and shas is one hundred seventy six pages. Yeah, okay. So this leads us up to Parake, chapter five. Chapter five, chapter five. Begins, and this is a loaded part as You're going to see. I'm going to purposely skip around a little bit because there's so many various things. The first chapter discusses the census and the tribal levy, and then we get into the laws of purity and impurity. Okay, so we have somebody who becomes a Zov, a man who becomes a, uh, a a man who has an emission from his body, or he becomes impure through a corpse, the same way a woman can have impurity that, um, that well, the impurity doesn't come from her body, but as we know, a woman who's in a state of nida reaches impurity because there's a loss of soul. Whenever there's a loss of kedusha, whenever the body's showing a loss of kedusha, that leads to a vacuum that impurity fills. So actually, whenever we find impurity, that was a sign of higher purity. That's just the way Hashem made it. When the body loses its ability to give life, so now impurity is going to kick in. The same way that applies to a woman, it applies to a man in a way that's called Zav. It's called tumazov, Zav, which is when an emission comes from, a seminal emission comes from the body of a man in an unforced way. So it can come through an illness, it can come through a lot of travel, it can come through overeating, but there's also an emission that could have brought life to the world that emission leads a man To be called a Tomas Zav That's what it means a, a Zav emission So also an impurity kicks in As well as we know Both for men and women When we touch a corpse um, There was a loss of a neshama The corpse now becomes impure And when we touch that cu- that corpse We also become impure Okay So the Torah discusses The, uh, the halachos What to do under those circumstances And then and then uh, the Parsha says General What about a general trespass? What about a, a, a general sin?" Listen to this Pasuk When a man Or woman transgresses So that person is now guilty So what do we do? So first step is obviously to know that you're guilty It's the first thing we know, okay? Be honest With, uh, with what just happened Don't uh, try to uh, Pretend it's not there which is the only way. By the way, it's the only way to be a healthy Jew. The only way to be a healthy Jew is by not trying to push our uh, shortfalls under the rug. We, you know, it's a conversation that we have. Uh, it comes up very often with parenting, and it comes up. Anything with parenting means we have to take this for our personal lives um, and uh, i 'll tell you how it's kicking into my mind right now um, the way it's particularly in that way in, in a way of in a way of parenting comes sometimes to decisions that parents need to make for their children when it comes to their spirituality and Some parents make the mistake, and I only know this, again, I'm not, (laughs) you know, I don't have, uh, you know, the oldest, my oldest kids are teenagers. Um, But some, I'm just sharing what I heard from my own parents. Some parents make mistakes by thinking that their children's spiritual setting is more important than their emotional well-being. It's better, it's better to have adult children that are emotionally balanced, even if they may fall a little spiritually short for what the parents had wanted, then to be uh, what we think is spiritually in the game, but not emotionally healthy. You don't, that, that's, not help, that's not helpful to anybody. So the first thing you need to do is know the oshma HaNefesh Ahi know what, what my strengths are know what my weaknesses are and I, I, I know what it is I'm not pushing it under the rug I'm not pretending like it's, uh, it's not in existence there's things, that, there's things that are in existence and interestingly to connect this message to the Torah I saw a beautiful concept you know when we raise the Torah by Hagba in Shul after reading the Torah so there's a phrase that we say there's a Pasuk it's actually a Pasuk it's a Pasuk in the Torah what do we say? Vezosat Torah. Some people stick out their pinky for whatever reason. I don't know how the pinky started, but if that's what people do, that's a, okay. It's a Pinky promise.. No, that's okay. Know. Some people. I think my father just stuck out his finger or whatever. Okay, even with that, fine. Just point with your finger to the Torah. Vezosat Torah. This is the Torah. Asher son Moshe lefenayven Yisrael. That Moshe placed in front of B'nei Yisrael. Al pi Hashem on Moshe. Beautiful pasuk that we say every time we finish reading the Torah. Do you know where this verse is written? By a Jewish murderer, a Jewish murderer, by the laws of an ir miklat, a city of refuge. When the Torah t- t- talks about the law of a city of refuge, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's this word, there's this pasuk, Torah, and this is the, it's like what, like like make it the last pasuk in the Torah, like end off, and this is everything that we've been doing, all the you know all these letters and psukim, and it's like in middle of. Uh, like a Jewish murder or one of the worst, most one of the most severe sins, if not the most severe sin a person could do. And I, I once heard, I forget which one of, of, uh, of my rebellion, she had a beautiful idea. He said, Hashem purposely wrote the Torah over there to teach us that there's never a point within a person's life or within the Jewish people as a nation, even when we're murdering, that you can't turn to the Torah and find a way. That's why it writes it over there. Not only that, but when we're talking about our murderer, we're saying, This Torah has a place for this murderer as well. In other words, you don't need to push things under the rug and pretend they don't exist. You'd think the Torah would say, no, Jewish people were the best. Were the best, yeah, the best Hashem has. We know that's true anyway. And therefore, yeah, if there's ever a murder, so pretend it never happened. If there's ever a molestation, God forbid, pretend it never happened. If there's ever something terrible that happened, pretend it never happened. No. The Zayis HaTorah. Zayis Even these things that you don't want to deal with, and you, don't want, you want to pretend like they're just going to walk away, are not going to walk away. You look at the Torah and you see, what does the Torah tell me to do about this? You, you, you need to be honest with the reality of human existence. There's a Torah for everything. You don't need to pretend it's not there. And this, the way that uh, we're reading the Pasuk is, when a person has a transgression, first thing you know is, Okay, so there's an Osho. Awesome, there's a problem over here. There's something for me to, you know, there's, there's a weakness, there's, there's a, a shortfall that I need to deal with. So what do I do? hisvadu eschatosom. So there's a mitzvah, a biblical commandment to say vidui. Very interesting. We think, like, vidoy is there to, uh, you know, to uh, kind of have me confess. Like, it's my thing. When we say vidoy, we're fulfilling a biblical mitzvah. It's a biblical mitzvah. Like, we're, we're this, is, this is a command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to recite the vidui, the heshev es hashamo, and then also, we bring a sacrifice, we bring restitution, and if you stole from, let's say, the, you have to pay back the original value plus a fifth a very interesting halacha but the Rambam actually says it the Rambam right in the beginning of the laws of teshuva chapter 1 halacha 1 says that um, part of the mitzvah of teshuva is that one must recite vidoy and you fulfill a mitzvah now Rav Shimon Seifer listen this is amazing from the, the child of the chassam Seifer Rav Shimon Seifer says if it's a mitzvah if if it's a mitzvah to say vidui, then you have to do it with joy. Ivdu es Hashem besimcha. You serve Hashem mitzvah He says when you say vidui, you're not supposed to cry. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be. Why do we cry when we say vidui? So, if we cry because we feel bad. That's a very good feeling that is actually showing the intense intensity, but you also need to be happy with the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we need to have like these joint feelings like I'm sad that I fell short in the relationship with Hashem, but I'm happy that I'm now actively fulfilling a mitzvah and, and, and just that alone should bring a person, uh Should bring a person simcha. See, Shippen Zyper says when we recite Vidoi as a biblical obligation, out of respect for the mitzvah, we have to have this feeling. It doesn't mean you can't have tears. can't have tears. But out of respect for the mitzvah, there has to be somehow a simcha that's latching onto the regret. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's, it's something that needs to be learned how. Right. it's something that we need to kind of uh, channel how, but as diverse people you know we we always have these mixed feelings you know so many times you have at somebody's wedding you're you're so happy but you're so nervous and there's so much hope and there's so it's like you have all these feelings mixed together and it's like, what do I do you know what do I do now and and you know when people are graduating you're know, like <laughs> you know graduating from school you're like you're so excited for them, but you're so, it's like We always have these And it's perhaps Just sharing It's something that I need to learn How to balance out on Yom Kippur When we recite Vidui. How to bring this um, How to bring this uh, combination Now interestingly We make brachos Before we recite every mitzvah We don't make a bracha Before reciting Mm Vidui. The Rambam's ruling That it's really It's a full-fledged mitzvah Like sitting in a sukkah Right? Shaking the lulav So uh, You know Lighting candles You know It's it's a mitzvah, so why don't we make a uh, why don't we make a bracha before uh, before reciting vidui? So there's a, there's a couple answers given. The, one of the Rishonim, the Rashba in his Shailas Achubas in his response to Sefer, he says that in gen, he's of the opinion in general you never do a mitzvah that it's only possible to do when an avera was done. Now, if a mitzvah could only come about, I can only say vidui if. I had a transgression. See, he says just the way that blessings work is you don't make a blessing. The, the sages never instituted a blessing on something that they wished didn't need to be done in the first place. So they never, just in, they never instituted a blessing. That's, that's his approach. Um, and the other approach that, uh, that I saw is that we make a bracha when you do it because Hashem commanded us to do it, not because of any other influence. And very often when we do Teshuvah, we have our own, our, our own personal reason involved. You know, it's not I'm not doing Teshuvah always because uh, Hashem told me to do Teshuvah. We're doing Teshuvah because we ourselves feel that, which is a good need that I have also. So because of that, now that's another, it's, it's more of a nuanced approach. But uh, because those are two reasons that I saw why, um, why we don't make a bracha. With the biblical mitzvah, it seems, according to the Rambam, of... Of um, vidui, okay. Now, the parsha continues, and it says, la'ish goel la'hashiv ha'asham elav." If, let's say, the man has no redeemer, okay. So the person you owe money to, there's nobody really to uh, to pay back. So you set it aside for you set aside for the uh, for the kohen. It goes to the base hamikdash. Uh, and you get an atonement in that way. The Isha's Kedoshav lo yi And a man, a person who sanctifies their things, lo yi for him it will be. Isha's Yitin la-Kohen. Whatever a person gives to a Kohen, lo-yi-ya, is his. Verse 10, strange verse. Again, a man what he makes holy is his. A man who gives to the Kohen, it is his. So what you make holy is yours, and what you give to a kohen is yours. So it seems strange, but you know, in theme with how we've been lear- learning over the course of weeks and how we know that uh, Yiddishkeit works, um, we only have what we give. That's the that's the truth. We only have what we're able to share with others. Rabbi Barun Leib Steinman Zecherin Lebracha says over. I actually I did, I, I saw Rabbi Yitzchok Zilberstein bring this down. He says that he won Yom Kippur. It's got to be eighty years ago. Got to be eighty years ago. He said him and he was younger. Rebbe Aaron Steinman maybe was in his twenties. Rebbe Aaron Leib passed away just a few years ago. He's hundred and one or so. So it had to be a long time ago. He was davening next to him in Shul. and in the middle of davening on Yom Kippur, Rebbe Aaron Steinman got a smile like he 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 like. He could hardly contain himself. Yitzhak Zobristian writes, it looked like Baran Leib was like dancing in the middle of the show. He was dancing. So he says, I walked over to him when it was, when, we were, uh, when there was like a break, you know, between uh, Musaf and Mincha, And I said, what are you so happy for? Tim Kippur, people are crying. What's happening? And Baran Leib, who he says was in his young 20s at the time, he says, it just hit me that somebody else's gashmius is my Ruchmias. Somebody else's physical needs is my spirituality, which means if I do something physical for you, you've received the physical, and I've received the spiritual. That is such a chesed from Hashem that he just got so happy by thinking about that. When when you get eighteen dollars, I get a mitzvah. When I give something to you, you get all your. You're not walking away with something spiritual. You walk away with something physical, and your physical needs is my spiritual success. That what? What a chesed! What a, he just like he was just like blown like this this like thought. He was like he was like dancing in a spot like the middle of shul, like you know on Yom Kippur, like, you know, the, just this einfa, this like light bulb that you can live your whole life around physical things and be completely spiritual because you're there for others. This this uh, this brought him such joy, and. That's really what this Pesach is saying. That's really what this Pesach is saying. The Ish Es Kedashov, what a person sanctifies, what we make holy, lo yihia. that is the only thing that's really ours. And what we give to a Kohen, referring to the gifts, the miser, tithing, right? When I give them, also lo yihia. That is also what's, uh, what's truly ours as well. Okay? So as uh, we say over many times, so we'll just go over it again. It's worthwhile mentioning the famous parable of the Chavetz Chaim with the three friends, close friend, he's got a court date, close friend, um, doesn't want to come with him. Next friend says, I'll come part of the way. The, The acquaintance says, I'll come the whole way. Says when a person comes up to Shemayim, we're going to go to our closest friend who we thought we were closest, our money, which we ran after all our lives. And we're going to say, come with us to heaven. And the money is going to say, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. I'm staying in the bank. You know, I want, I want you to accompany me to court. I'm sorry, you know, I'm not coming. And then we go to our next, the, the next closest friend, which unfortunately is a person's family. And people spend less time with their friends and family that they, than they do on their, uh, to earn a money. And we say to our family, can you come with me to my court? And the family says, we'll come part of the way. We could accompany you to the grave, but we can't come the whole way. Until finally, the little bit of good deeds and the little bit of Torah that we were involved in when we found a few minutes, you know, we're like, hey, can you come? And they say, yeah, I'll come the whole way, right? So they'll come, the, the Torah and the maizim tovim, the good deeds, is what comes up to shrine with us. So this Pasuk is saying, you know what you really own? You know what the long-term investment, the long-term purchase is? What you sanctify. When we sanctify something that's truly ours, when we give, when we give our things, our energy, whatever it is, to a uh, to a good cause, that is uh, that's also the, the the only thing that we uh, that we truly own. And then the Torah segues from this idea, and this is gonna this, this blew my mind. The Torah segues this idea of giving to a kohen to the laws of a sota. Okay, laws of a sota, a wayward wife. A man suspects that his wife's with other people. So he warns her in front of two witnesses not to seclude herself in a room with a particular person. She does seclude herself. So she goes to the Beis HaMikdash with her husband. They have to go together with her husband to, to drink these waters that has Hashem's name uh, uh, in it. And it goes away in the water and Hashem's willing to erase his name for the purpose of bringing Shalom uh, you know, between, uh, between people and his family. Rashi says, What's the connection? It says, to, to sanctify your things, give it to a Kohen. And then it says, Oh, the, the law of a Sota. Ask Rashi, verse 12, What do the two things have to do side by side? It says Rashi, You know why? Because since you need the Kohen and the Bezam Mekdash to help you with the waters of the Sota, If you don't take care of the Kohen, Hashem says, I swear. You don't take care of the Kohen, I swear you're going to need him. Why? Because your wife's going to cause Sholombaye's problems. And you're going to have to go to the Beit Mikdash, and by you not taking care of the Sota, you're going to need his services. Now, this doesn't bother you, it should. <laughs> like, what? What, what? Like, who saw? What, what, what's happened over here? What, what, what's the connection? So it says the. The Halige Chassam Sefer. says the, the Holy Chassam Sefer. He explains beautifully. This, this nails it. This nails everything. The Gemara in Tractate Shabbos, Stav Kufyot Test, page 119. The Gemara tells us from the verse in the Torah of tithing, Aser to Aser, tithe, tithe, is telling us Aser Bishvil Shatis Asher. If you tithe, you'll have financial success. Okay, that's the Gemara says A person who's careful to take miser A person who's careful to tithe Nowadays we tithe for the poor Back then they tithed for the poor Some years they tithed for the levy Who was considered always poor Because they didn't have any, any land And also for the Kohen Who got his gifts And here we're focusing on the Kohen That's going to ensure financial success But there's another Gemara The Gemara of Mitzia The Gemara Tractive of Mitzia, page 59 The Gemara says Okiru l'nshaychu take care of your wife. Make sure that she has, she's able to be beautified. Kihihi So you'll become wealthy. Okay? Meaning, it's the wife of the home that brings bracha. It's the wife of the home that brings bracha. Which, what I tell the men, I'm not just saying this because it's a woman's class. Right? <laughs> when I tell the men, I quote Rav Rapam Rav Palm says to the, to, he used to give a class, Rav Pahm's the he used to give a class to the young married guys in Yeshiva Torvadas. And he would tell them when, this is when they're, and whoever was in Shonari the first years of marriage. Um, he would say, you know, if your wife ever buys something that you're unhappy that she bought. She bought an extra dress. Right? What do you need? Your yeshiva, suit, you wear the same thing, the same white shirt, the same black pants. Right? We're a bunch of penguins. That's it. You're black and white. Right? You're black and white. You put a hat on your head and you're good. Right? Yeah? Then... Then you get married, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, your, wife, your wife has a whole wardrobe of things that she has nothing to wear. <laughs> so, so you're going to be bothered, and then she's going to come home, and she bought something else, and it's uh, right? And you're like, "What's nothing? Like, you know, how does this work?" So he tells us he tells he told this Bachar a beautiful beautiful idea. He says, "Are you willing to spend a little extra money to have a more beautiful robe? Mm-hmm. Of course. He says if your wife ever buys something. That you think is a little over the top. That's your mitzvah. Your mitzvah is to make sure that your wife has clothing. So view it like you're beautifying your mitzvah. You got a more beautiful mitzvah. There's obligations of it's a Torah. Husband's got to make sure his wife has food and clothing and uh, and time and attention. So all right, So you spent a little more money on your mitzvah. Don't get so upset. You know, it's like you know, it's it's your spirituality. Like take it easy. That was like you know, it's a it's a little. A little shift for young married guys to like take a step back, you know, take it easy over there. Um, but the Gemara says, the Gemara says, <laughs> when a person's careful to to um, spend money on their on their wife, that itself brings wealth to the to the family. So says the Chazam Sofer, a person a is going to say, you know what, I, why give my sir?" Why give to the poor? Why give to the Levi? Why give to the Kohen? What? Because what? I'm going to get bracha. I'll tell you what I'm going to do instead. I'll give all the money to my wife. And I'll get the bracha that way by not taking care of the poor. Okay? Because you got these two things that maybe they work individually. Now, many of us are shaking our heads, but we don't know why. Why talk is a, not a good claim, Right? Says the Chassam that's the connection between this pasuk and the next pasuk. Incredible! And he says like this: If that's your mindset, if you, if a if a person, man or woman, if our mindset is, what can I? Yeah, it's a mitzvah, but how am I going to gain from this financially? Which means I'm only focused on physical. Why would I? Why would I not care about the poor person and only care about, and only care about my wife because? I'm, the, I'm not caring about my wife. I'm caring about myself. Mm-hmm. And when I'm caring about myself and only spending money on my wife because of that, listen to what the Sefer says. You know what you're doing? You're turning your wife into a mitzvah object. Mm-hmm. You have to know what Rav Pan meant when he said, the same way you spend money on the estrogues. So now I'm your mitzvah. Nobody wants to be somebody else's mitzvah. Right? So, so what's the balance here? What's, what's the line over here? The line is, the Torah gives you a mitzvah to do, you do it well, you do it right. And if you start to treat your spouse and your home as being a place of physicality, your whole family will end up acting like that too. That's the chassam's paper says. If your focus is on the physical things, the physical desires, the physical lust, the physical thing, all right, so that's your response. That's how you're establishing your home. And if that's what you're bringing into the home, and that's the mindset, and that's what it is, okay, you know what? Our home may very well start acting like that. So what do I say to the Kohen? I don't need you. I'm just going to focus on all the honor, respect, finance, you know, money, uh, all the... Says the Torah, if that's your goal, let me tell you something, you're going to need the Kohen, because your family, is are just going to start acting like that. You're bringing your own downfall. Rather it has to be the opposite Going back to what Rev. Leib Steinman was saying Which is Your Gashmias Is my Ruchneas It has to be a Spiritual conversation That's taking place over here Not a conversation about um, About the The physical Okay Wow Alright I want to Go on one more point here You can't go through Parshas Nassau This week we have The Priestly Blessings The Vruchas Kohanim Beautiful, beautiful bracha. Um, so let's turn to, uh, let's turn to brachas Kayanim. His Perek Vav starts in Pasuk Chav Gimel. Chapter 6, verse 23. Tabra la'aron of Lamar speak to Aaron the <inaudible> son, saying, Ko subarachos b'nei Yisrael. This is how you bless Kal Yisrael. You know, you give a, a, a Jew a blessing. <inaudible> you say, Yevarecha Hashem yeshmerecha. May Hashem bless you and Protect you, Yar Hashem Panavelecha, the Hunaka, may He shine His countenance towards you with Chain, with grace. Yisa Hashem Panavelecha, may Hashem lift His face towards you, the Yasim the and give you peace, give you completion, the Samu Al Abne Yisrael, and then you place My name on Bne Yisrael, the Ania Hashem says, and I will bless them. Once the Kohen blesses us, then Akadish Baruchu says, He will bless us. So what's the Bracha? Says the Sfarnu. You will be blessed. What does that mean? Says the Svanu, You'll be blessed with wealth and property. Why? Because it's very hard to function in a spiritual way if you're constantly nervous about your finances. So the bracha that the Kohanim give to all of us is May you have an easier... Financial situation to be able to focus on your spiritual needs. The yishmerecha, and you be, may you be protected. Says the svarnu min ha from losing it. Just because you have something now doesn't mean you are going to have it in a minute. So may Hashem bless you with the ability to have physical things, and you could hold on it, and, and to be able to hold on to it. Okay, your Hashem. May Hashem shine. Says the sfarnu May He reveal to your eyes with the light of His countenance myself to be able to see God in everything. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. May Hashem shine His light on you. You know what that means? To be able to see Him in everything. Once you have, because very often once we have, we stop noticing Hashem. So the Kohen, with Hashem's blessing, may you be blessed with a comfortable financial situation not to lose it, and it stays a bracha. Once you have it, it you don't need to lose it to see Hashem. You continue to see Hashem and all of His mice and all of His deeds. That's the second pasuk, And then finally, Yisah Hashem, ponavei lecha me Hashem, places His uh, countenance on you. L'cha'i to... Give you a life that's capable of achieving eternity. ki like we say, Ki-imcha mekar chayim ba'archa nire'ar, ucha omram tzadikim y'yishem ha'chseim b'rashem tzangam m'izeh Okay, referring to paradise, to The V'yaseim l'cha shalom. And what does it mean that, that Hashem should place his peace on you? Menuchas shalom. The the calmness of peace. Shahu ha Peace is... When we say says the swarnu, when we use the word eternity, that means peace. It's not some like we've sometimes when we when we hear the word eternity, we think like forever. The word eternity means forever. He says no, eternity is perfection. Perfection, that's the real completion. Beli taruvas einish with no with no other no penalties mixed in nothing no no issues involved haroi lechol sholim lechai we should just it should it should everything should just be good just it just be good that's that's the bracha when we and there are people who when whenever they see another person whenever, they, they they give this bracha because it's not only like a Kohen's allowed to give the bracha we can give a bracha to each other such a beautiful all-encompassing within these three brachas, within these three verses, it's just a, it's a, it's an all-encompassing uh, concept. It's really, uh, it's truly amazing. So, um, there's a, we'll, we'll end off with this idea. And that is, the Shulchan Aruch writes, whenever a Kohen gives this blessing, he must be in a state of simcha. He must be in a state of joy. And therefore... Ready? Outside the land of Israel, where it's difficult to constantly be in a state of joy, we only have the police, the priestly blessings on a holiday. But in Eretz Yisrael, you can do it every day. Because of this requirement to be happy. Incredible. Okay? So... That's why the Minog Ashkenaz, Ashkenazic Jews, we only do it on a uh, on a Yom Tif. Um, Svardin happened to uh, have it, uh, happened to have the bracha every day. But the Gemara in Brachos, Daf Chafah page twenty B, the Gemara says, um, Rabbi Avira, uh, Rabbi Avira tells us the Malachim, the angels in Shemayim, told Hashem, you know why. Uh, This verse in the Torah of you shining your countenance on B'nai Yisrael is a contradiction to everything you stand for because you promise us in the book of Devarim that you don't show any favoritism and you don't take bribes and you're telling us you're always pointing your face at Kal Yisrael, So you must have favorites. You must have favorites. And Hashem says, you're right. I do have favorites. That's it. I do have favorites. The Jewish people are my favorite people. Yeah. But what can I do? What can I do? They give me too much nachas. You know why they give me so much nachas? Because they say birchas Hamazon after eating an olive size of bread. That's my nachas. Oh, incredible. Yeah. So you have all these uh, chesed organizations. You have Bikr Hailem. You have every, You have all these yeshivas, everything. But the bro who says, you know, I, I just, it touches my heart. Like I can tell you. Like, you know, they're saying birchas Hamazon when they eat a little piece of bread. So of course I got to, you know, of course I got to take care of them. Okay. So the, we, we, I'm sure we all understand the question, right? The question is like, what's the deal? What's the deal with this? So says Mordechai Druk, and this nails it on the head. He says that, you know, Baruch Hashem in first world, are we called the first world country still? Baruch Hashem? Um, I think so, yeah? I think we are. So, uh, um, uh, so we're called the first world country. Baruch Hashem. He says, in America, there's enough, there's enough programs, even if a person, you know, doesn't have the ability to work, but there's enough programs to allow... People to to not starve to death. That's the bottom line. People have uh, people have access to food, even though it's not easy. Even though it, it, you know it's it's not always easy. But there's there's very few people in our country that are surviving on a half a slice of stale bread every day. There's very few people that that uh, that live like this. Um, but as we know, this is not always the case. It was it was standard for people to only have uh you know only they they earned their lunch and that's all they had that was the that was the norm and they were satisfied with that kesayas, with that olive size of of bread that they got every day what hashem is telling the angels is when a jew makes a br- makes a blessing of thanks after eating the bare minimum we're showing that we're comfortable with what hashem has set aside for us and when that happens, Hashem says, all my brachas come to you. When a person's able to live in a way where we notice the small things, kind of like what we said originally, like within the bracha, what's the second puzzle of the bracha? You should have and keep noticing the blessing that you have. So Hashem says, when I see that, when I see people taking the, the, the smallest amounts that I've given them and saying, thank you, Hashem, I'm content with what you have set aside for me, then who Yaseh Shalom Aleinu Hashem will be blessed with the ultimate blessing of completion which is the pinnacle of, of all the brachas the pinnacle of all the brachas and Hashem saying yes there's so many good things out there but you know what, what what touches me the most is that when people are happy with the smallest things that I bring into their life that really touches me and when Kal Yisrael does this that's what allows me to yeah actually have uh, have a favoritism you know, there's a well-known Yiddish story I don't know to, in its totality but it's about an orange somebody received an orange as a Mishlay Yachmana some Purim in Russia they'd never seen an orange it's 1800s and it, everybody came to look at this orange right and they, at first they started smelling it you know wow incredible and the next day they peeled it and everybody like got a little bit of a, just to hold on to a little bit of a peel they were making their jelly and then they got to eat a little bit of the juice. It was like, it was like a, you know, an incredible thing. It's a memory of a lifetime. Now, we can hear the story then. I, I never looked at an orange like that, right? I'm like, okay, is this orange getting old? Does it get thrown out now? Like, anybody want to eat it? It's been sitting here for four and a half weeks, right? But it's this, it's this last... This is what Hashem's noticing. Hashem's saying, listen, are, are you no, when you eat something, are you noticing the bracha? Because the more we notice the bracha, the more... Uh, the more Hashem says I'll keep the bracha coming I'll, I'll keep showering on it Rabbi I, I actually got that from Rabbi Yisachar friend, who, who uh, the, the story with the orange and in in in, uh, in that uh, Devar Torah he writes that he was on a trip to South Africa um, like one of these uh, you know one of these trips that they take seen the fly, and he was asked to come along as a as a guest lecturer and they were traveling through Zimbabwe and Rabbi Friend says he noticed a woman uh, down the road who, who was balancing on her head What must have been At least 20 pounds of oranges At least 20 pounds of oranges So he said to the To the tour guide He says that's That's an incredible thing Incred- Incredible I never saw such a thing The so tour guide says Actually It's a very important ability To have in this part of the world And as a matter of fact There are families That will only take A daughter-in-law Who can balance A 20, sa- a 20 pound sack Of oranges on her head <laughs> so my friend said he tells me he says, I can't wait till this gets back to New York you know there's <laughs> so like the new Shidduch question <laughs> it's like it's like the new thing out there right but okay <laughs> and, 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 and you're part of the world they're part of the world like, this is this is this is something right but be it as it may, may, he, he's saying people make up you know why we're unhappy because we make up a list of needs the, do, you need, do you need you need you need a white fuga balance a 20 pound uh, sack of oranges no you, know, you, don't, you don't need that right but it's nourish it's like you know it's what we call it's like it's, it's, we make up these things. There's no real source for it. And as Baruch says, when we're willing to stick to the basics and be content with the basics, that, that's when the bracha can, uh, can shine through. Okay, we'll hold it here. Any uh, questions, points?